0: Kia ora and welcome to Insight. I'm Philip Atolli. This week, prisoner reintegration. Former prisoners say they're being set up to fail after being released and that more support is needed to curb the rate of people going back to jail. Some prisoners are leaving the gates with nowhere to stay, no personal clothes, and no bank account. The Department of Corrections says there's not enough money to support everyone who is released, and many are slipping through the cracks. New Zealand has a prison population of more than 10,000 and is fifth in the OECD for incarceration rates. Every inmate costs $100,000 every year. A news correspondent, Lee Marama-McLaughlin, explores life after prison.
1: Nothing says freedom quite like blasting the sounds and cruising down the Wellington motorway. At 46 years old, Jamie Mako is a free man. His criminal record reveals a long list of offending. He's been in and out of jail more times than he can count since he was 18. After serving four years in jail for armed robbery, he was released on July the 24th this year.
2: Oh, it's the most exciting thing in the in your life. It's like you won the lotto. I was anxious and not knowing, and all in all, I was bloody just pleased to be free. But yeah, I was looking forward to see my family, everyone. But that one else is up. I had um, made arrangements through the officers to come get me at six thirty, just so everything went according to plan. They come up, got me, uh, took me down to the um, down to the main office where they process you, give you your steps of freedom pat you on the back and they put you in a cell.
1: What stuff are you well, equipped
2: with? Well, I, my reality is I had no clothes. I mean, when I when I when I got arrested, they taken all my clothes. So there's nothing there. So I snuck some of their clothes out. Some, but I mean, I made sure because no one wants to wear Wellington Regional Prison be seen in public. I grabbed some of the pants that had faded. and that, you couldn't see that. So I sort of blamed them with everyone that everyone would think I bought it from the warehouse or something. So that's how nervous I was because I was wondering, what the hell am I going to wear?
1: What was it like when you got told that the car was here to pick you up? Was it your brother?
2: Yes, yes, it was uh, yeah, my younger brother. I was really wrecked. I was over the moon. I could do backflips. I didn't go straight to my um, my brother's place.
1: So the first night you got out of prison...
2: I slept at the mungamaw pad. In the car? In the car.
1: It's a similar story of excitement for a woman we'll call mehi... Who spent six months behind bars for breaching protection orders, assault, and benefit fraud? She was released from Aruhata prison in January. Well, I
3: was lucky. My two sisters picked me up. Yeah, um, happy. Got out, straight to the bottle store, to be honest. Yeah, I hadn't drunk in, in like six months. I was thirsty as. Uh, freedom, oh, I was good. I was so. I ended up having a cigarette. I haven't touched a cigarette ever since. Ugh, since January. I thought I was just cool, I suppose, you know, like it was like, yes. You know, trying a bit of this, a bit of that, because the food that you get in there, it's the same meals you get each week. So, like, Monday you'll have sausage stew, um, Tuesday you'll have mints. The majority of the shit in there is beef. I can't stand, so it's like so beef mints, beef sausages, beef patties or something like that. And they just rewind it back. So each week, you know what you're getting. Chicken Saturday. No, yeah, I thought I was actually in heaven when I first got there, but no, after about a month or two, you just can't even really eat the food. But um, being, getting out on the outside, yes, it was. Yeah, I was really happy to see and be around my family.
1: About 1,400 people are released from prison each month after serving their sentence or being held on remand. Before they get out, they'll meet with a caseworker or reintegration services to plan where they'll go or what they'll need on the outside. Some prisoners don't have ID or a bank account and others will need a place to stay. The Department of Corrections enters into contracts for a 1,000 places in emergency accommodation, some for a few nights and others for longer. Oh,
3: I've been living here since, um, since June. Yeah, I ended up here. I was actually, when I first moved up, I was um, actually living out west.
1: Clearing the, the dishes at her now. flat in Auckland, Mihi is happy to have a roof over her head, even if it comes with noisy scaffolding outside. But she still has a grudge with the prison.
3: When you're inside in prison, they offer you this and that for help and all that. They've got these ladies coming in and you know, sitting at the other side of the table telling you, Oh, we can help you with this deal. and we can do this for you and we can do that and it's all f***ing shit. You know, I was so happy and looking forward to getting out and then going to you know, stay in this motel until they sussed me at H and Z housing. And well I got the papers and all that for the bond rent and all that for a motel back in Wanganui. I thought, oh, cool, you know, they were really helpful because I had all the papers before I left prison. And then a couple of days after I got out, I went over to the motel. They were arseholes, you know, they were like, no, get out of here, you don't even, I don't even know you. And I was like trying to show them the paperwork that I had, who I'd gotten it from. Um, I put everything down and they weren't interested. They just, nah. It, it, yeah, they didn't have me there. You get out and then you get a big slap in the face. You know, you might get the odd prisoner that's just being released or something that'll get help and all that, but not everybody gets that help.
0: Got kia ora,
2: Got kia ora. Kia ora. Uh, welcome to my um, my humble abode. It's just a temporary thing, but um, at least I have my own personal space. Make do with what we got, anyway.
4: Yeah.
2: I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Very grateful. Is it grateful. cold? Oh yeah, yeah. I've got about six blankets, and yeah, it's very cold.
1: Jamie Markle has been living in his friend's shed. As music plays on the TV, he says it's a struggle to make a living. Mm. So what do newly released prisoners do for cash? About 110 prisoners nearing the end of their sentence are currently on a programme where they work in the community and earn a wage, so they'll leave with money. However, that's a fraction of those who get out of prison, and many leave broke, with some accumulating credit card debt and bank fees for missed payments. There is a Steps to Freedom grant that they have to take to work in income to be processed, it's $350, and the amount hasn't changed since 1991. The grant is there to cover food, rent and other necessities before the benefit kicks in, usually within a week or two. Like most, the morning he got out, Jamie Markle went straight to get his Steps to Freedom grant in Lower Hut, But things went wrong almost immediately. A dispute fled over where he had to go to cash the grant, and when the security guards came over, he pushed one of them. Within an hour, he was being arrested by police and charged with assault.
2: If I could step back now and reevaluate everything, I would have done it differently, most definitely. Yeah, but, um, yeah, just all these emotions of betrayal and, and that f- the system and f- pigs, and there's that, bringing up those old emotions. Yeah, it's just... it's gut-wrenching. The very, I find myself having to... Go back into my old lifestyle and do what I got to do to survive. Uh, I'm a, I mean, even now I'm still in survival mode. Now, uh, having to turn one to thirteen, just to contribute a kuhha to the to the people, the very people that are looking after me.
1: He was given a suspended sentence after the altercation at Work and Income, which means if he keeps out of trouble, the charge will be wiped. But he's been banned from Work and Income for two years. His younger brother, William, is frustrated.
5: Him being released the way this has gone down, he's a high-risk offender. He has been for some time. They already know this. And for them to send him out without a place to stay, with very little money, with yeah. and, and with no sort of... They say there's support out there. Well, I rang around and knocked on a few doors myself. And there weren't a lot of people offering help, let's just say that. They were sort of fobbing me on to the next organization saying well they can help you out give them a call um for them to put him out like that it's a setup to fail it's a setup for him to go back out and reoffend. It's so easy i, I hate to think if i wasn't there what would happen you know in, in those first three or four or five days if he didn't have somewhere to stay i, I think he would have been offending immediately
1: The Department of Corrections spends about $20 million a year on reintegration services out of a total budget of $1.4 billion. It contracts services such as the Salvation Army and the reintegration programme Out of Gate to provide housing, mentoring and support to find a job. It costs the taxpayer $100,000 a year to keep someone in jail while a standard reintegration service with out-of-gate is $2,000. An evaluation two years ago said out-of-gate reduced re-imprisonment by just over 6%, a result Ministry of Justice and Corrections researchers described as promising. Getting a job is considered a driving factor to keeping someone out of jail, but finding employment is a challenge. Mahi didn't want to use her real name out of fear she'd lose her cleaning job. She didn't tell her current boss she'd been in prison because she'd been turned down by employers whenever she mentioned it.
3: Um, labour hire, I went there, I gave them the same thing, my um, CV. But once I mentioned prison, he was like, oh, well, no-one's going to employ you. No-one's going to give you the chance to will look at you twice, so you're wasting my time. Being honest... It doesn't get you anywhere, you might as well lie. Right now, to this day, my boss doesn't even know that I was inside. And I'm scared that if he did find out, I'd probably, he'd probably let me go. Like, yeah, it's stressful, it's hard. Especially if you've been in prison, I didn't realise how hard it was. You know, now I can understand why some of my own cousins' family members end up going back in all the time, because no one wants to help you, no one wants to know you.
1: I'm Lee and McLaughlin and you're listening to an insight exploring life after prison and why so many former inmates re-offend. Some prisoners serve their full sentence but most are released earlier on parole or with conditions which means they have to check in regularly with probation services. A probation officer has the power to approve or decline where prisoners can live, where they work and who they can see. If someone breaches their conditions, they can be recalled to jail to serve the rest of their sentence. Yep, the OK, so they'll just unlock the door. Okay. thank you. The entrance to community so, in corrections here. in uh, Lower Hut is always locked. Uh, the, the, There's a security there, camera area, there um, and a and buzzer and to push to ask to come in. Amy Wood has been a probation officer for 10 years.
6: Once... Mm-hmm. Um, the person is released on parole, uh, initially we'll have quite uh, frequent contact with the person. We'll do home visits, uh, we'll talk to the family, and we'll talk to the person, see how he or she is actually uh, doing after release. It depends on how long they've been present. Sometimes it's, a, it's very difficult for them to adapt to the life in the community again. Because in prison, they don't need to worry about you know, income, they don't need to worry about food, they don't need to worry about a place to stay. Yeah, and once they're released, they'll have to try to manage everything themselves. So it can be very difficult for them.
1: What do you see to be some of the um, biggest barriers for them to successfully reintegrate back into society? Yeah,
6: well, at the moment, obviously, accommodation is a big problem for them. I guess it's not just in Wellington, Lower Heart, it's uh, everywhere. The idea of probation
1: is to keep released prisoners on the straight and narrow and out of jail. Corrections had a goal to reduce reoffending rates by 25% by the end of last year, but that didn't happen. The latest figures show that within a year of being released from prison, nearly a third of former inmates are back behind bars. The rates for Pākehā have dropped slightly, so only a quarter of them return to jail, but for Māori it's gone up, with 36.5% going back inside. After a lifetime of crime... Patricia Walsh has ticked up 144 convictions. She racked up sentences amounting to 20 years and has been to jail five times. Before
7: I was born, I was destined to end up in prison. I was raised in a home where I was sexually abused. My parents used alcohol as a uh, way of coping with stress. My parents hadn't learnt how to deal with the pain in their life. So they passed that on to me, that not being able to problem-solve and all the rest of it. You know, being, living that life at, at a really young young age, watching my dad beat my mum up, um, being molested. I ran away from home young, out into the streets, started hanging out with people that, you know, we got in trouble. It was normal. I started um, burglaring houses for food. So I was in a social welfare home where um, I was molested by the people that ran it. Went into the girls' home again, raped in there. You know, so you soon learn that you're powerless and you don't have any control over your body, over the situations that you're in, and your choices are pretty... If you have any, you don't see them. Her
1: last leg ended in 2009, and it took her son telling her that he'd shut her out of his kids' lives if she didn't turn her life around and get off pee. She listened. Now she's earned a bachelor's degree in social work and is invited to public speaking events about how to improve the system. She says the rates are higher for Māori because many suffer from post-traumatic stress syndrome through the intergenerational impacts of colonisation the trauma of land confiscations, dispossession and the loss of culture. And putting them in jail doesn't help.
7: Prison is the most unsafe situation you can be in. You know, you're you're looking for inmates that are going to stab you or bash you or, and you're worried about what's going on at home for your kids. So that whole lag or that whole prison sentence, your hormones and, you know, you're so wound up and dehumanised because somebody's locking you away Um, you don't have any control over yourself so again, your body doesn't belong to you, the environment that you live in, no matter how small you make it to try to keep yourself safe, you have no control, so that re-victimisation it happens over and over again, And so then you're released back into the community and your family, their lives have, you know, they've carried on with life and you know you're released back, you're institutionalized because you haven't thought for yourself you haven't had to do anything for yourself but survive which means looking at everybody as a potential threat and you go back into your home you speak less you wait for people to tell you what to do you know and your kids everyone notices this about you but you don't notice it about you. you how do we ease ourselves back into a family that's Carried on without us. The capital
1: city's lunchtime rush hustles along the terrace and tucked away on the route is Corrections Headquarters. Its Director of Employment and Reintegration, Stephen Cunningham, says Corrections is keen to find jobs for offenders. One of its programs secured employment for 158 people last month. On average, just under half of those who get jobs on the scheme. A Maori, Mr. Cunningham says spending on reintegration has gone from four million to more than twenty million in six years.
8: For many of our programs, we do provide a start-up kit, which might include a small phone and something to eat, or you know, some basic things. Particularly if people uh, are going into more emergency accommodation areas, again, it's not enough. It's it, it won't cover everyone, but it's a start. But it, again, I do acknowledge some do not have a lot when they get out.
1: Do you think that that could be why some of them go back?
8: Well, yeah. Well, somebody leaving with no ID, uh, no bank account, no clothes and nowhere to go, clearly they're in a very traumatic situation, which would, you would naturally think some would turn to crime as a result of that.
1: Does corrections have to wear that?
8: Well, corrections are the administrators of a sentence or an order. Um, in terms of people, New Zealanders, leaving our system and going back into the community, yes, corrections play a role, but it shouldn't be the whole role. It's the community <laughs> um, need to play a role as well, and their whānau, um, and other agencies as well, like the health system, like the housing system, like the welfare system.
1: How many people do you think are falling through the cracks?
8: Oh, I don't know. Well, of the 20,000 that leave the system, I would say quite a few. We invest a lot in their um, rehab, uh, their literacy, numeracy, and their skill development while in prison. So, yes, to sort of um, use a commercial term, protect that investment in that person to carry on post release is a good thing to do.
1: That in jail investment Mr. Cunningham refers to is the $180 million that is spent each year on rehabilitation programs in prison. About 7,200 prisoners completed a program last year, about 10 million hours of activities, including rehab, education, and gaining skills for work. But the programs are voluntary and not everyone takes part. There are special programs to deal with high risk offenders. Drug or child abusers, but what's on offer varies from prison to prison. A top criminal lawyer, Nigel Hampton, says it's not enough.
4: Well, it sounds good until you sort of uh, measure the fact that they say nearly 200 million uh, on rehab this year, but the full budget is 1.3 billion. So think of it in proportionate terms and how little is going into rehab.
1: And that is um, rehabilitation and reintegration grouped into one as well, so it's also... Exactly. Mm.
4: Too little happens behind bars. Many volunteer programs existed through the 60s, 70s and 80s, They started disappearing at the end of the 80s and into the 90s and 2000s. They're only starting to re emerge now.
1: In the past 50 years, Mr. Hampton has represented a number of recidivist offenders, and now he's with the Howard League for Prison Reform. He describes the prison system as isolating and bereft of real human contact and understanding. In his opinion, People are leaving it better equipped to join gangs and with a more hostile attitude towards authority.
4: The longer you're inside, the harder it will be to make the transition to life outside. And to just tip them out without sufficient integrative and rehabilitative and educative and work training programmes, it's setting them up to fail. Let
9: us pray.
1: No one is born bad. It's learned behaviour. That's the point George Cooper made at the start of his class in Upper Hutt, where he works with people who have done time in jail.
9: I got into quite a bit of trouble when I was young, you know, in and out of jail for a few years when I was young. And That was one of the recognitions I had. I could blame the system, I could use the system, but I never understood the system to help me get out of it.
1: What was it for you that um, changed your way of thinking that meant you stopped going back to prison when you were younger?
9: Um, To be honest, um, for me, it was actually seeing my daughter becoming a mini-me.
1: Mr Cooper runs the Living Without Violence programme in Porerua and has been working in reintegration for more than 12 years. He says prisoners need to be given the tools to address their offending when they're in jail.
9: It's easy to tell someone like they're saying today, you know, um, you're bad, but how do you break down what bad is that they actually have the knowledge to know how to fix it? Right? And when you're looking at um, reoffending, how do you stop reoffending when no one's giving you the knowledge and the skills? to stop reoffending, It's easier to offend at times if it means that it's putting food on the table than it is to try and beat the path every day trying to find a job and be told no all the time because you haven't got the right skills.
1: Mr Cooper says the offenders listen to him because he's walked in their shoes and they relate to him. He says corrections and other government departments need to take advice from people like him who have real-life experience with the system. And others agree. Just across the road from Orangomai Marae and Social Services in Upper Hutt is a probation centre. A leading social worker, Joy Bullen, works in kaupapa Māori reintegration and says the marae fought to
10: have community corrections nearby. He we said, we'd like you to put it across the road And he was quite stunned Why would you want it? And we said, because they're mainly our people That you're working with And they need our support And you need our support So the rest is history I think we're the only Māori in the country Who has our probation, community, corrections opposite And there's that interrelationship It's wonderful It's a really positive relationship. You know, everyone will say there's not enough money for the resources that are required, and it's really true. We don't have enough people to run our programme, so we work on a shoestring the whole time. People like me don't get paid. We just do it because it's part of who we are. Um, And we try to make sure that the staff we have get looked after, but we don't have enough resources We need much more. If we're to really make a difference, we need much more. How would you describe the current state of affairs for our Māori? Very sad. Very, very sad. We've just had a justice summit. I'm feeling hopeful. You have to feel hopeful. Uh, We're a long way from fixing a broken system. Just last year, the Waitangi
1: Tribunal threw corrections over hot coals for not doing enough to reduce Māori re-offending rates. While the department had an overall target to reduce re-offending, it had no specific strategy for Māori, nor did it have a target to reduce offending for Māori or any measures to keep track of its progress. The Director of Māori at Corrections is Neil Campbell.
5: The department has always had a strategy for Māori, always, including in the last five years, that is relevant to Māori. So, the strategy and the measurement I'm talking about is a reduction in reoffending by 25%. You don't reduce reoffending by 25% unless you reduce it amongst Māori.
1: However, the tribunal found the strategy they had was not working as well for Māori as non Māori. To its credit, the department took on board all six recommendations from the tribunal and has worked towards a Māori strategy for the entire justice system. Mr Campbell says the picture for Māori is disturbing and it will take more than corrections to change it.
5: But as long as police apprehend Māori at four times the rate they apprehend non-Māori, as long as Māori appear before the judiciary six times more, then Māori appeal for the judiciary. And as long as the judiciary convicts Māori at ten times the rate it convicts non-Māori, any specific strategy that the bucket has would be futile.
1: Neil Campbell says they need to start rehabilitating whanau as well as the prisoners so that they return home to a family that doesn't encourage criminal behaviour. In the past week, the Corrections Minister, Kelvin Davis, held two hui in Palmerston North, focused on reintegration. He urged employers to take a chance and give jobs to offenders. Patricia Walsh, who was asked to speak at one of the hui, just hopes the solutions being offered up by former prisoners will be listened to.
0: That programme was written and presented by Lee Marama-McLaughlin. If you'd like to discover some great listening, you can head to our page at rnz.co.nz forward slash Insight, iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, Teresa Cowie visits New Zealand's drug court to find out how it works and is it worth the money to keep it going? I'm Philippa Tolley and that's all from Insight for today. Lovely to have you with us and join us again
7: next week.